Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. And there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 74 of the No Encore Music Podcast. We're back together, the three of us, the three that you love. I, at least I hope that you do. So do I. Hey, Colum. What's up? Welcome home. Thanks very much. Did you enjoy completely abandoning the podcast to go and have a piss up in Cork? On the wilds of Cork. Uh, I did, to be perfectly honest. The Haven Coast, I believe it's called. Really? Some people call it that. <laughs> other people call it the real capital. Yeah, mm. and other people just call it a big town with a hill. Oh, here we go. And I just call it home. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that other voice you heard, that, those golden tones. Craig Hello. Fit- Craig Fitzpatrick. <laughs> hey, I'm Larry Gogan, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Larry Gogan! We'll have our just a minute quiz coming up later on the show. <laughs> do you love a good quiz? Oh, you mm-hmm. do, actually. You know yeah. what I love more than a quiz? Tell me. A live podcast. Oh, indeed, Dave. Especially one that is, you could say, the jewel in the crown of the first ever Dublin Podcast Festival. Well, we could certainly in fact, say you that, you should yeah. say. In fact, I will say it. No Encore Live 2 is the crown jewel of the Dublin Podcast Festival, taking place on September the 28th in Whelan's of Wexford Street in Dublin, a famous venue. A venue that we will be turning upside down and ripping apart at the seams. Are we blowing the roof off? Like Kasabian? Yeah. Maybe. A la Kasabian? For one night only. Tickets are on sale now in Ticketmaster. You will be getting us doing a version of the live show with very special guests. We have Overhead the Albatross, Dahi and Elaine May, all performing sets on the occasion. And we'll be doing our usual kind of rigmarole too. We'd love to see you there. And yeah, so, you know, come. Come to the show. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I'm very excited, I must say. You are. As for this show. Yeah. Packed show? No, kind of not really. <laughs> not, 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 not quite. Although then again, I mean, like there are some issues that I want to take with last week's show. Oh, here we uh, go. Mainly the fact that you just managed to have like a football music themed episode. Yes. Knowing that I was out of town, yes. so we wouldn't have to deal with Eric Ostgard. Correct. <laughs> and Sunderland. Yeah. Cullen's yeah. beloved <laughs> championship fighting Sunderland. Yeah, well, I Niche mean, concerns, I would say. I probably would have kept that on the download, to be perfectly honest. It's out there now, mate. Plus, it's not like Jordan Pickford was out there last night when, or last year with an acoustic guitar singing tunes. Not yet. Yeah. Didn't your favourite player for FC Usna leave, though? Yeah, Joachim Soltvet left. What, what yeah. happened, man? Ah, he's a young lad and a top, <laughs> a top, a top, a top life ahead of him. No, but like yeah, a top league club playing into him. So you know you can't can't really stop him from leaving. Then, no, uh, you know, legally. The thing is, the jersey that I got had number seven on the back, which is his number. Um, which presume, fateful, which presumably means that I'm the new number seven for the yeah. rest of the season. I don't know. Or you're a bad omen for the club, possibly. Mm, maybe. 
Well, a man's got to go his own way. That's what Batman said to Robin in Batman Forever and Words to Live By, I would say. As for this episode, we do actually have an album <laughs> thinking review. about those bat nipples. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they are vivid. Yeah. We have an album review in this episode, so we'll get to that. But first, as is tradition on the show, let's talk about some news. Yeah, and, and let's talk about Drake. And well, before we talk about Drake, sure. let's just check in on where he was at. At the end of the double O's. I said you the fucking best, you the fucking best, you the fucking best, you the fucking best, you the best I ever had, best I ever had, best I ever had, best I ever had. I said you the fucking. No, you got a roommate. Call me when there's no one there. Put the key under the mat, and you know I'll be over there. That's right. That's the naughties. Oh right. I believe that's how they call them. Yeah, that's best I ever had. A filthy song and a fucking good one too, if you ask me. Yeah. Maybe his best song. Mm, I wouldn't have it in my top five, but it's very good. Well, it marked his debut, right, on the illustrious Billboard Hot 100, a chart which many people use for influence and you know, kind of cutting their teeth and also just establishing dominance, really, which Drake has done up until this week when a stunning 431-week run, that's 431 weeks, uh, as, you know, a member of that illustrious Hot 100 with different songs, came to an end. It's over. Yeah, so, I mean, like, to put it into perspective, Best I Ever Had landed on May 23rd, 2009 is when it first charted. So that was basically four months after Barack Obama had been um, inaugurated as president of the United States and basically for the rest of the Obama administration he was still there do you think there's a correlation somehow between the two <laughs> the world is slightly less cool now <laughs> oh I don't know can, can we blame Drake's chart failings on Trump I think we should blaming everything else on him so. you'd miss Obama all the same wouldn't you <laughs> you would a bit <laughs> yeah. mainly for this do you think it'll be remembered as like the age of Drake is this like ushering in the dark times well you know it's interesting to be fair, when you look at sort of how huge he's been in streaming and stuff like that, I think it's undoubted that he will be a huge figure to be looked back on in years to come simply because of the changes that have happened within the industry while he's kind of been at the head of it, so to speak. Yeah. In many ways, the Beatles of his day, yes. Uh, highly influential. Um, <laughs> <laughs> four four also, different people also coming together. the work to rate. Like, he constantly has stuff out, which is kind of a lot of reason why he's maintained this absolutely crazy streak. Well, this is it. And at, at, at uh, another event there, I think last week, he yeah. pledged that he was working on a new album. Yeah, he was in Toronto doing a show where he did a kind of real-life recreation of the cover of yeah, Muse. Well, speaking of looking all sad, as we all know, Drake is often kind of a bit of a meme, so to speak, for his melancholic ways. you got to wonder, are we going to get an entire record about being knocked off the Billboard Top 100? <laughs> it could happen. Yeah. yeah, He's moaned about less. It's true. Well, hey, look, you know, this is a podcast that has come around on Drake a little bit because we thought his most recent effort, More Life, was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't welcome this news with any kind of relish. And hey, it's the, it's the church. <laughs> You're not lying. I think, I think the other thing is that, like, I'm go- going back to his kind of work rate again, the thing is, even if you dislike something that Drake does, I think we're all getting used to the fact that it's probably only going to be six or nine months before we get a change in direction and something new again. So, you know... Stop clock tells right time twice a day. Basically, Drake will probably release something you like once every five years yeah. because he'll probably release 12 different things and one of them's sure to fall into your range. Fair point. Change in direction and something new are not terms that we would ordinarily apply to red hot chili peppers and we won't be applying it to them today either because they haven't exactly changed things up much. But Flea, who can be outspoken when he wants to be, yeah. has been talking and he's been talking about the state of essentially, you know, kind of looking out for young musicians and kind of up and comers. In a strange enough way, I mean, I think his point is solid, but he appears to have, you know, misplaced a word here. Yeah. Child abuse sounds strong. I think he meant neglect. Perhaps, yeah. So what am I talking about, Cullum? Uh, basically, he's been talking about, like, the cutting of funding for arts in, in America. He's been a huge supporter of uh, funding music, especially in schools. And, yeah, that basically the move against um, music education programs, against arts in general... Uh, is punishing to the younger generation. Which, I mean, is fair enough. It's not quite as dramatic as he makes it out to be, but... He's been fighting this fight for a couple of decades, though, because he went to a seminar in a high school or something uh, in 2000. And essentially, it was the high school that he went to and found that the music room had no instruments in it. 
True. And he was like, well, this is fucking ridiculous. Something, something has to be done. Yeah. So that's kind of cool activism, which I hadn't heard of for two decades. So maybe he's like a anonymous well, I guess it charity only, man. It only really happens in the States, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. I, I I mean, we, didn't, we didn't have a music no, we room fucking to be empty. didn't. But when you think of Flea, uh, you mean you think of kind of a wacky Flea and, you know, his, his band Soft and all that. And, yeah, I didn't want to say it, but essentially, yes. But he's a technically very proficient musician. He really in a number is, yeah. of different instruments and stuff. And like he was a bit of a virtuoso. So um, he's into kind of the educational side of this thing. And um, yeah, I mean, I think he's right in terms of the sentiment. Um, I mean, there should be more of that across the board, just learning about music. It's got to be kind of beneficial, isn't it? Of course, and true. But the, the quote there where he's like, it's child abuse. It's just wrong. <laughs> it is just wrong, Flea. You might have chosen a, a better way of describing the situation. But no, his heart's in the right place. And I, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, I agree completely with Craig. It's like, we kind of, especially over here, like we live in a country where people are always like, you know, oh, we're so quick to be like, you know, we're so, the arts and like, you know. Yeah. But we don't fucking support artists. And we don't support them like when they have actually gone off themselves as young people and developed creatively and then want to try and make a living out of it. Like it's almost mocked. Like, you know, like when you're younger, it's like, oh, you want to be a rock star, do you? And it's like, this, yeah, this, here's this, your recorder. Learn this and try and be a rock star. <laughs> this kind of thing should be like encouraged completely and it should be absolutely supported. But I mean, at the same time, I don't fancy Flea's chances of getting grassroots musical education going in the States at the moment, given everything else that's going on. Uh, I mean, I guess the whole point is that it doesn't actually cost that much. I mean, this particular article mentions, you know, cutting. Um... No one's getting a nice uh, Ludwig Vistalite kit anytime soon, then, I presume. <laughs> But, like, the, the Corporation Public Broadcasting, so that's basically NPR and all the rest of it, um, would be $148 million, um, which amounts to 0.003% of the federal budget. And I guess the whole point is, you know, that's a tiny little sacrifice for something that might actually make a, a profound difference to some people. Yeah, but weapons. Weapons are important, too. This is yeah. true. I can't disagree with you there, Craig. <laughs> you can't. my stance. You can't kill an insurgent with a drumstick. Well, you, you can if you, <laughs> you aim correctly. I was trying to give peace a chance here, guys, but okay. <laughs> Uh, someone who also gave someone a chance recently was Craig Fitzpatrick when we talked about Jay-Z on this very program. And hey, yeah. yeah. Very reluctant Craig Fitzpatrick had to talk about Jay-Z. But I gave him a chance, yeah. It was quite an emotional episode, wasn't it? It really was. his new work. I, I loved it. I've gone back and listened to it several times. Yeah. <laughs> what about the album? What about 444? Have you gone back and listened to that several times? You think I haven't, don't you? Well, you probably have. have I you? have. I actually uh, have. A couple of tracks. A couple of tracks. I've cherry-picked, <laughs> as, as one is wont to do with yeah. a very no, busy no, 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 musical no, agenda. No, Dave, you don't say cherry-picked, right? You say, I've re- Restructured the running order. Craig loves that. Yeah, but yeah. I've built you know. my own track list, Craig. That's what I've done. <laughs> well, I suppose it's it's kind of a noteworthy album because he's you know Jay Z famously on most of his albums is just kind of it's a lot of braggadocia. This time he's kind of showing his vulnerable vulnerable side in a way we haven't seen or we've only seen glimpses of in the past. Um, and he's been talking about kind of emotional vulnerability. Um, he's b- been a part of this kind of footnotes videos thing, which features star-studded discussions about complex topics. And he's kind of opened up about the stigma that he thinks is surrounding um, therapy in black communities. So he says, we can't go to get therapists. Uh, you're crazy at that point. It's like a psychiatrist. You're crazy. Um, so he basically goes on to say, you know, three of your brothers are dead. and Your mother used to beat you up. You need help. Someone needs to talk you through why you're feeling these feelings. Uh, so, I mean, it's a good thing to say. It just across all communities. Um, and for such a kind of important dude like him, I mean, it's just another voice lended to that conversation. It's a which, great thing to yeah. say, because I think, you know, it can be easy to forget just how influential, you know, people can be, especially yeah. with massive followings. I mean, there is a genuine thing where, like, you know, if you see your favorite, you know, pop star or rock star or whatever, like, you know, wearing a jacket, you might be like, I want that jacket. You know I mean, like, yeah. like, like, so something like this, especially like, you know, to people who might feel completely disenfranchised and just in uh, unable to express themselves properly. If someone like Jay-Z, who, of course, you know, came up with this image of this tough dude, you know, yeah. this kind of streetwise guy. For him to kind of get to a stage of his life where he feels very, very comfortable saying this kind of stuff, I think it's fantastic. It I, I, I loved reading these words. I'm delighted that he said them. And therapy is fucking hugely important. I've often said that, like, I genuinely think that everyone in the world should be in therapy. Yeah. Especially therapists, by the way. That's always a good kind of, you know, barometer. <laughs> the amount of stuff they have to go through. This is the thing. I mean, like, like if I find out that my therapist doesn't go to a therapist... Then I'm out of there. Do you like <laughs> give your therapist a good grilling in your own therapy session? Not Does really. It turn into like it's a it's <laughs> a meta <laughs> reflexive. It's a feeling. It's a feeling out process. I mean, right. I, I don't mind saying like I'm I'm back in therapy and I've been going to a counselor kind of for the last few weeks or so, last kind of month and a bit. And yeah, like straight away, like she kind of 
volunteered that you know she she was like oh when i when i, when I talked to my therapist and i thought cool i'm in good hands here because that's what it should be i mean like it's all about having conversations and i kind of feel like i mean granted like you know there's obviously an attitude in the world when it comes to mental health that having a conversation doesn't necessarily fix the problem it, it's something to to live with and to kind of cope with and to find ways of dealing with one such way is to do that and i gotta say you know i, I at the moment yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm in, i was gonna say i'm enjoying it but that that would be wrong well that's better than a lot of other things isn't I it? suppose yeah, that's I, I, positive. That's but I, went, I went there the other day like it was that biblical rainstorm oh yeah and I know like, what a day in and out like destroyed by rain and I was like this is fitting <laughs> it was the fucking Mondayest Monday to ever fucking it really Monday. was it really was, was a grim day fallacy now on the subject of that rain by the way just real quick can you now understand why after two days of it straight at a festival, I hung up my festival oh, towel? Oh, you're continuing. Wow. I did not see that coming. I'll tell you, listen, this is why this is why you should come to the live show, listener, because... <laughs> it's indoors. You never know where it's... it's yeah, okay, <laughs> indoors. Was, there's say, a roof. I was going to say, because there's an air of unpredictability we to promise it, not to, to blow it off. To where it will go. But it's, yeah, also, it's indoors. <laughs> you won't get wet. There's something, right? Now, on the subject of strange things... <laughs> Elvis Presley, uh, like, passed away 40 years ago, so there's been an awful lot of talk about him lately. Or did he? This oh. is the thing. Oh, <laughs> oh, let's not get into that. No, no. Uh, Midnight Craig podcast, or, or yeah, yeah. Conspiracy Theory podcast. Going to the Headstuff Network. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Uh, so, essentially, a lot of articles have been kind of coming out, a lot of kind of retrospective stuff. One in particular caught our eye, <laughs> and Cullum, as the, are you the resident culinary whiz? I'm, I'm not sure. I think I'm just the one who spent more time just sitting around the house doing nothing. So... <laughs> I've, I've cooked yourself down. So I've cooked more than most. You pride yourself on your on, on your kitchen skills. He does, and you're on first name terms with your local butcher. Yeah, well, of course. Shout yeah. out to Larry. <laughs> so, hey, Larry, uh, he's a big fan. So yeah, I kind of feel like Cullen Pips. You got, look, I'm I'm rubbish in the kitchen, mate. You want you want a good smoothie made? I'm your man. <laughs> Are Craig, we are we going to end up doing a cook off feature on an upcoming episode? I think that, we should. I think we should or do a, a live I show. Think we, should do, <laughs> we should do a crossover episode with fellow heads of podcast with relish. Oh wow, yeah. Nice. But for now. For now, yeah. Um, you know, if I was going to start showing off my culinary skills, I'm not sure I'd concentrate on making uh, the Elvis, which is basically his favourite snack. It's a peanut butter, a banana, and bacon sandwich. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, and Billboard even had like you know like a kind of a fancy Dan culinary chef come up with fancy Dan. the actual <laughs> recipe for this, which involves like one or two ounces of rendered beef fat. Oh Jesus. <laughs> um, a hot sauce mixed in with the peanut butter, and uh, yeah, thick cut bacon, ripe banana, super ripe banana, table, tablespoons of of peanut butter. Um, hard to believe the bloke died early. I was going to huh? say this Did, sounds yeah. this sounds like if you wanted to pay tribute to Elvis by eating the sandwich, you're probably going to end up the same way as I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I mean, if someone had to just come up to him and been like, you know, there's this thing called a macrobiotic diet, we could get you on a. <laughs> the whole history of rock and roll could have been changed. You want you wanted to give Elvis some sort of like prototype. If I had, a, if I had a time machine, the one thing I would do immediately would travel back. <laughs> Scanning his barcodes. With the happy pair. <laughs> measuring, oh, the happy pair doing cartwheels around Graceland. If you do get a time machine and you can bring the happy pair back to a certain period of time, can you fucking leave them there, please? <laughs> God, they freak me out. Uh, okay, so as regards... Yeah, this reminds me of that... I think I sent it to you guys. That, like, distressing video of that, like, cafe in New Zealand or somewhere. Where no, it's, it's, no, it's in London, I think. The poor for cheese. Yeah, it's a burger, right? Yeah. Like, you know, we all have a good burger. But it was like... Here's a jug of liquid cheese, yeah. and they just pour it, and they pour it, and they pour it, and they don't stop pouring it, and it's so... It's disgusting. I was shook, as the kids say. <laughs> it really freaked me out. There's literally no way of eating it without destroying your life. Your dignity, <laughs> yeah. your past, your present, your future, for the sure. Room. Yeah. Uh, uh, part of me really did the just decorum. want to bash off ordering, ordering that on her first date, and just seeing you know, if there was any way the girl would even stay at the table. Yeah. I'll have you know that I I put that to a couple of our friends, and Mm -hmm. they both said, I'd fucking do it. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. Elvis would have loved it. (laughs) Well, you know, who knows? And it's still probably a healthier way to pay homage than that sandwich, though. Would he have loved our Songs of the Week this week, though? Now, guys, last week I made a mockery of the Songs of the Week structure, because Craig wanted us to do the random number game. Yeah. Um, And I was in such an unfettered state of tiredness and fatigue, (laughs) you may have heard me mentioning it. Uh, that I kind of just didn't really follow the kind of rules, yeah. I guess. So this week, 
I think we should do the random number game again. Well, yeah, but this and week you're going very random number because you've been at Tom Warren's locker here. Correct. To plug stuff. another Headstuff podcast because why not? I'm feeling generous today. Tom Warren's personality bingo, of which I have been a guest on the show. Check it out. Go check out the episode. It is a really good episode. We went very deep. He has, uh, if you've never heard the podcast before, he basically has a kind of one of those Argos ball machine thingamajigs with lots of numbers in them. And, you know, he has questions corresponding to each number. So in this situation, we have none of those things, no. apart from the numbered balls. Yeah. So the first song out is, it's number 15. This is LCD Sound System. <laughs> All the hits are saying the same thing. There's only tonight, 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 tonight. And life is finite. Shit, it feels like forever. It feels like forever. Okay, tonight, all lowercase, which is what James Murphy's doing with this record. Can I just say, people like everywhere are checking how long this episode is. It's just yeah. like, 15? How many songs? Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, like dozed off for a second. Yeah. James Murphy, leader of LCD Sound System. American Dream is the name of the record. It has one of the worst album covers of the year. Which Shocking I really bad. hope that somebody condimented five figures for that thing. They always have bad covers, though. This Considering they're such a kind of like on point, like stylistically, musically great band, they just are not good with the kind of cover art. And they're going lowercase with the titles, which really bothers me as a writer, I must say. Now, this is the third track we've heard yeah. off the record. It's called Tonight. Now, this comeback has been a bit cynical. It kind of only exists to make money. There's a sense that they're really trading off former glories. And there's also a sense that an LCD Sound System song can only go so many places, and they've really done it already. I mean, once you kind of have stuff like All My Friends, there's not much more you can do with that. You kind of peaked. Yeah. And I kind of feel like uh, Call the Police, the first offering from this record, really felt like a discount diet version of that song. Tonight has a bit more about it. Are we in similar territory? Is he pulling it back? I mean, in many ways... Tonight almost sounds like the companion piece and the revisit to All My Friends, where, you know, that was actually a song about, you know, just singing about tonight and just focusing about the party that's on tonight, which is kind of what he's taking issue with in this particular track. Um, Lyrically, it's definitely a kind of an LCD sound system 2.0. Like, this is, you know, the older, wiser James Murphy looking back. And I mean, I kind of mentioned before in the pod, you know, when he kind of took issue with like the bourgeoisie in the previous song that's like mate you open a wine bar in Williamsburg but clearly he is taking that to a whole new level on this record that this is his sort of state of the nation address from someone who's you know got the experience to sort of address it the thing that gets me though is like is this really the song that drags you from from retirement no you know like (laughs) is this well yes clearly it has but no but as in like you know, is this like to use Michael Jordan's phrase, like the itch that had to be scratched? Like that he was sitting on the side. Is that Michael Jordan phrase? Yeah, but they, <laughs> he coined it. Did he? Well, yeah, I don't know if he coined it. He I said, don't think he did. He, he used it when he came. Michael out. Jordan did many things. He used it when he came out of retirement. <laughs> all right, <laughs> and, television, and basically, like I just can't picture James Murphy, you know, having the kernel of this idea and saying, "Well, this is a reason to get the band back together." Yeah. No, the reason to get the band back together was a paycheck. And then, hey, fuck, better write some songs now. Well, yeah, this is another kind of... There's a certain number of kind of LCD Sound System songs, like templates for LCD Sound System songs. And I think we've had like two of those templates uh, being used. And this is the third one. Uh, You guys are talking about All My Friends. And there's a lot of that. And there's also a lot of kind of losing my edge. But from a remove of... There's still those concerns. And uh, there's some great lines actually in it. Oh, yeah, lyrically it's actually pretty interesting yeah like usually he he doesn't grate on me but i don't quite get everyone's like oh he's so incisive and witty it's like yeah i kind of know what he's saying but none of the lines ever have really grabbed me in that way before there's a couple here but it is that kind of thing of like you know perfect for aging hipsters not aging hipsters aging people that are hipsters that don't think they're hipsters and hate hipsters i feel like you're dancing around a terrible term like say i don't know elder statesman of a house party (laughs) which sounds like a song title by an lcu census oh it really does yeah (laughs) it really does um and i mean musically we haven't even really touched on it yet because there's very little to touch on it's just a kind of circular beat that you know goes on i do think within that and kind of within the restraints of that he goes somewhere narratively and it builds kind of in a way that 
maybe some of his other stuff doesn't quite achieve but overall it is a bit more of the same yeah Probably not worth going to see them live in Dublin. Then. I agree with that. Uh, that's the weird thing about LCD sound system, though. Like, it, it can often be a bit of a smorgasbord, a bit of a catch-all, hard to kind of pin them down. Nineteen-year-old Killian Murphy, what do you think? And it's not, it's not constrained by any formula, and that came from the whole spirit of jazz, which is the freedom to to express yourself on your instrument, which has been lost. It can be argued through the eighties and through the early nineties with playing through pop formula, playing to songs that appeal melody-wise and that are based on three chords, whereas this is the freedom to go a bit further with music and to try different, uh, try different um, styles and different, different modes and get them into one formula and mix it down to something different. Obviously it has its roots in jazz and 70s music, but it's now moving on. It's becoming popular now, really popular. And um, I think it's great because you now people of our age and stuff are beginning to appreciate musicianship as opposed to catchy tune you know they begin to appreciate live music I agree Killian takes all kinds I guess it's time for another number another number this is okay exciting it's number 52 number 52 that is Queens of the Stone Age it is and the evil has landed Has landed. Yeah. With a deafening thud. <laughs> Take off again. <laughs> I, I, I hope it doesn't because I really enjoyed this. Oh! I thought it was quite a lot of fun. I mean, um, you know, like I felt like it was a little bit long on first listen, but it, like, it moves at a clip. Six and a half minutes. We'll, Six and a half we'll minutes. do that, yeah. yeah, yeah it does not... Whoa, 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 hang on, sorry. I, I don't know if it moves. It moves at a clip in terms of, yeah, okay, you might say like it's up tempo, but like, man... At one point, when I felt like I was listening to this for about two days straight, I looked over being like, it's got to be almost over, right? And it was like three minutes ten. I was like, oh, man. Really? I thought it moved quite well. And, I mean, like, I gather Mark Ronson is on production for this record. Yeah, not doing a great job, I don't think. You see, I thought that it actually combines the sort of, I don't know, elements of kind of funky indie disco stuff with the more, you know, balls out rock. I quite liked it. Um, not for me. Uh, starting with production, I guess it just feels very thin and trebly to me. Especially coming off the back of an album like like Clockwork, where it seemed like the band was really settled into this kind of beefy thing. They could do kind of crunching, deep grooves, and also the kind of Neil Young, you know, weeping guitars. I just thought it was a beautiful sounding record. It brought Mark Ronson in, and it kind of sounds like he doesn't quite know how to approach a rock band. Do you know, there's something like it's very, it's wafer thin for me. Um, I can like I can see why you can have a bit of fun with this track, and to a lesser extent, the last track, which I didn't enjoy at all the way you used to do. Um, but when I, when you boil it down, it's really just old blues riffs kind of cobbled together in a meandering way, and then it's like straight ahead rock for the last two minutes without really an idea. And it's it's not it's not linked in any way that you know. There's no kind of momentum that kind of logically leads that position. It just feels a bit slapdash and thin. I agree with all that. I feel like they've run out of ideas. I feel like he's run out of ideas as a lyricist. There's really nothing here to cling to, and it can happen. You know, I mean, like you know, you get to a certain stage of your career and you're just kind of punching for the sake of doing so, and you can't fault them for still sounding up for it. But there's just nothing here. I mean, like. I think it's threadbare, despite being as long as it is, and I just don't think that Queens of Stone Age offer us anything anymore. Nothing that we've already heard and heard better by them a very long time ago. So yeah, I just found this beige. Yeah, I don't know. I just I think it has enough in terms of riffs. I mean, like, there's no doubt that it's a shift from like Clockwork, but yeah, yeah, I did enjoy it. I think it has a groove to it. I think that there are riffs in it. I think it like it moves quite well, even in terms of kind of going through couple of different sort of phases or movements so to speak uh, towards the latter stages of the song um yeah i'm certainly interested to hear what comes next okay well what comes next is another number i can get used to this watch your back tom number 47 47 47 47, 47. is pink and what about us Yeah. 
So Pink's made a return after half a decade away. Um, have we missed her? No. <laughs> Not really, no. Nothing against you, but no. Yeah. I, 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 you know what? Like Some of her more up-tempo pop stuff is okay. But terrific this, performer, you know, has a reputation for a great live show. But yeah, and this oh, comeback aerial fabric displays and all. This comeback song is like doesn't have any of those attributes that no. you've just listed. It's very much um, state of the nation address. It's uh, I wasn't surprised to see that it was a co-write with Johnny McDade, um, oh, <laughs> right, Snow yeah. Patrol, and another guy, uh, Steve. I didn't even know that, but yeah, yeah, now that you say it, because it has those sub kind of Coldplay piano mm-hmm. things, bit of you know equi reverb. We've got something important to say. Never really goes anywhere. The title and even the refrain, you're just immediately thinking, well, I was thinking of Michael Jackson's Earth song. Like, what about it? As sure. he holds on to two trees and it's like, ah! Yeah. Um, that's never a good thing. All I'm really saying I'm, is that they don't even care about us. Different song, but great Better than this song. There's a certain yeah. level of irony in a sort of a track that seems to pitch itself as kind of being, you know, anti-populism and blah, 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 aiming for like that dead center commercial market. Yeah. Is this what Katy Perry was referring to when she coined the term purposeful pop? <sighs> I, I think it is, actually. I, I think to an extent you're probably right. Um, and at one level, I kind of give it a pass simply because... You're a nice guy. No, 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 it, 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 no. I'm not here to upset anyone. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's not even because the song is in, in any way good because it's not. But I think it's because, like, this is quite on-the-nose State of the Nation stuff, but it's probably just exclusively aimed towards her fans, as in those who would not have been listening to, say, Run the Jewels or Billy Bragg or the sort of like you know have decent oh I think there's songs. some Billy Bragg crossover the in this Billy <laughs> ba- Bragg slash pink fans oh I like. thought she was the Billy Bragg of her generation you know we've heard kind of like half decent protest songs from like Anna Nee and Coco Rosie and stuff like that is your average pink song picking up on that maybe not maybe this is you know the first time yeah. that those fans would be hearing it and that's why it takes this form and that's the only way that I can in any way defend it because it's not Good I can't lie. I mean, part of the reason why I want you know the world to be a bit more harmonious again, and that fucking prick out of office, and war to not happen. Don't talk be- about Leo Franker like that. <laughs> and, and people to not fucking die, and all this kind of horrific stuff that we're seeing at the moment. Part of the reason why I want that to all go away is because I'm fucking sick of the protest songs. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, they're, just I, 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 they're not going to stop. They're, like, they're going to keep going. We're going to get protest albums now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So come on, can we all just sort it out, please, please? The song ain't great, yeah. you know. Good to have her back, though. You know, like you I mean, is like, it the, like? I mean, you, you I, could, I was trying to say something nice. You'd struggle to even say it's a protest song because it's so as like as you said that generic thing where it's like reach for the stars and we're let's move on. Can I say just before we draw number four, Dave has pulled Phil Bab right and put the balls he's already drawn back, back in. in here. Oh <laughs> shit! Danger. It's almost as if it won't matter. <laughs> We're listening to LCD Sounds. You've dropped again. the ball. I dropped. I literally <laughs> dropped the ball. But first, the number is twenty-two. Oh, thank God we didn't have it. Uh, <laughs> this one is Alice Glass. It's called Without Love. Yeah, formerly of Crystal Castles, Alice Glass. Um, that track, I'm pretty sure I like it. I really like it. I think she's very good as a solo. I mean, like she brought out a track called Stillbirth about two years ago, and it was full of pure fucking energy and a lot of rage, and then kind of went quiet. Yeah. I can remember, though, discussing that. I think it probably was even pre- this podcast um, that we were discussing that song and I said like you know part of the kind of chemistry and energy that she had with Ethan Calf mm. as a pair within Crystal Castles like was kind of missing and they both then made the mistake of sort of trying to replace each other he made another Crystal Castles record that sounded far more flat without her vocals on it. She made music where she probably tried to find a producer to duplicate what he does in some way, and it didn't have the same magic. Whereas this is obviously a move away from that, and it benefits hugely because of it. Yeah, I mean, whereas that track was it had this like bludgeoning thing, and then also had an- Angela kind of mix up, um, but with no real. I-, I enjoyed this it sonically, but it didn't have a co- cohesive thing. This is surprisingly all about the melody really mm. with interesting dynamics going on as well I mean it's kind of 
pulled in one direction and then another. But throughout, it's just like, I mean, some of her kind of best singing, almost. Yeah, her voice um, sounds really, really well really suited to this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a change of direction, but a very good one. And she it seems like more of her own identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, first of all, sonically, Cole, I want, I want to know something. You watched a film recently called It Follows. Yeah. Did you get a little bit of that tinge off this? I, I thought the opening kind of section felt very like the, the stuff Disaster Piece was doing on that. The, the, the kind of synthy, that really beautiful kind of treated synth, and yeah. kind of like, I, I, and then it kind of goes off into her own thing. Lyrically, uh, I think she's very much highlighting stuff that she has highlighted before, but how she was treated, uh, yeah, about how she alleges she was treated in Crystal Castles. Mm-hmm. The Crystal Castles record that came in about a year ago, I remember reviewing that, and like, it's fine, it's actually pretty good in places, but like, the best track on that record, right? was on my stream until the day before the release of the record, and then the track itself vanished. <laughs> I remember you talking about And I about like that. contacted the label, and I was like, hey, is, is there a glitch with my stream, or what's going on? And then eventually they were like, no, that one was just pulled last minute. Like, right. literally a day or two before the record was going out. And that track was fucking fantastic. Bizarre, and they just got rid of it. Was there some weird well, sample There must have been maybe? some yeah. weird clearance yeah. issue. I don't know what happened there. No one knows. Well, as well, if I remember, wasn't that album brought out as a, like, part one? It was. And there hasn't been a part two. Well, it's been about a year. So is that all? Oh, okay. I think so. Maybe, uh, okay, maybe, maybe two years. Yeah, it's fine. And her replacement, though being a bit of a sender, like does have her own chops, her own presence. But as yeah. for Alice Glass, this is really good. Yeah, I, I agree with Craig. Like it's it's definitely her kind of finding herself as a melody kind of writer and arranger, and it doesn't need to go to the places that Stillbirth went to. It's a very nice compliment to that song. And yeah, even listening to them back to back, you're like, is this the same person? I mean, obviously it is from a stylistic point of view, but like it's very different uh, and yeah, quite mature. Very good. I like it a lot, and I look. Yeah. I'll look out for the album if there is one. Hopefully it's not another two years before we hear from her again. Indeed. Okay, we've got one more slot. We do. And, and how, how many did we even start? I think there's 46 balls remaining. Or yeah, I, got, I, I hope we get it. Okay. The number is... 074. 74. Wow. Um, well... As coincidence Bingo. might happen. No way. <laughs> we've got one there too, yeah. It's uh, this is a little peep. And it's called Save That Shit. For my life, can't say that girl Don't tell me you can say that shit All she want is payback For the way I always play that shit You ain't getting nothing that I'm saying Don't tell me you ill Nothing like them other motherfuckers I can make you rich I can make you rich I can make you this Baby, I can make you that I can take you there But baby, you won't make it back some background for Lil Peep, if you will, call him the vice-friendly Lil Peep. He's 20 years of age. He's got face tattoos. Yeah. He doesn't care. So, I mean, basically, I can't profess to being the biggest uh, expert on this bloke, but what I gather <laughs> is that he's essentially this sort of weird emo rap crossover. Yeah. He's a suburban kid from New York who's basically taken a lot of those sort of, you know, I'm a distressed child from rock music and kind of taken it over towards rap and hip-hop. Essentially, he's making songs that, for me, sound heavily influenced by new metal. Well, which I was going to say the last time that we've I seen was gonna some say, sort of yeah, it's like, it's like he, the two. It's like he got Craig's time machine and went back to two thousand and three. Even the guitar in this sounds exactly like Limp Bizkit's "My Way." That sort of muted. Oh, yeah. it's got a bit of like chorus effect on it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of like rearranged here yeah. and there as well, which is a very good Limp Bizkit song, by the way. <laughs> So, yeah, here's the thing. He brought out a track called Kiss at the end of last year. Pitchfork raved about it. Pitchfork loved this guy, as do Vice, as I mentioned there. <laughs> they did an article with him where they hung out with him in a graveyard. Because, of course, they did. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Kiss, which came out at the end of last year, I think it's a fucking great song. Since then, I haven't been as impressed. He actually put out a record, like kind of a seven-track album, mm-hmm. uh, to support this one. Yeah, come over when you're sober. Part one. Part one. Part it's one, only like yeah. 24 minutes long, isn't it? Now, Pitchfork had put out the review and uh, he got like a seven point something, which for them, of course, is gold. And your man in the review was kind of saying, you know, what he does best is he keeps it simple. And like, you know, it might be a bit ill-disciplined and a bit lazy, but like he cuts to the root of these things and like get, gets his kind of both hands around the angst. And I kind of feel like he's getting a bit of a soft ride for some reason by the critics, because <laughs> I think this is fine, because I would. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I'm totally on board with someone being like, this is trash. I mean, you see, like, yeah. yeah, one of the main reasons that he tends to split opinion is that by sort of combining two things, he's nailing neither. And so basically, there's a lot of rap, uh, you know, aficionados who are saying, like, what the fuck is this emo kid doing? There's a lot of people who prefer their rock music and stuff saying, you know, what the hell is this kid doing? Um, probably neither are wrong. It's a little bit 
all over the shop in ways. The funny yeah. thing, though, is that in this particular instance, with this track, he's gone with an incredibly simple hook that it just goes round and round and round. And in the end, it's, it's kind of insistent, really. Between its repetition and its simplicity, you can't help but be same like, with that okay, track. There. Same with that track, "Girls." He put out before this, which again, like, had a guy on like on the feature who not only puts in a terrible performance, but if you watch the video, you're just like, man, these guys look like clowns. Yeah. But again, it's got the hypnotic little Juggalos? thing. Yeah, <laughs> not quite. The thing is, just, I'm just, I'm, I'm not convinced that he has nearly enough to say to take advantage of. He is a only simple, twenty. Insistent hook like that, and. Yeah, the other thing, though, is that, like, yeah, just the kind of scale and the sort of variety that he's displayed so far. Not, I don't really know exactly what to think of him yet, frankly, but that's fair. he also hasn't sold it to me in any way. I mean, the best thing I can say about this is that, like, maybe it's going to be an entry point for young juggalos to better music. <laughs> um, it's, it is, it's an easy kind of diss, but it's SoundCloud rap, really. Yeah. It's you know if you just leave SoundCloud playing and just random people in their bedrooms, it's going to be this quality or maybe slightly worse, slightly better. Um, he doesn't grasp me as too interesting a character. I don't think he has much to say having listened to the whole album. Uh, now, granted, he's still very young. There's some like there's some ingredients there that kind of are a bit promising. Like I like some of the guitar stuff on the album. That treated thing, as you said, Colm, which kind of reminds me of eighties uh, British indie more to the point. Um, but then those kind of very generic now trap drums and just the kind of whiny, like, you know, heartache is a half pipe suburban mall rat thing just doesn't quite sit well on top of it. And it just doesn't do it for me, unfortunately. And he idolizes Riff Raff, which is dreadful. That is dreadful. Fair point. And I feel like the only reason why he's getting the acclaim he's getting is because those kind of aforementioned websites have decided to position him this way. Yeah. That said, I think Kiss is a fabulous song and I encourage everyone to go and check it out even though it's not on this record. But a record that we will discuss this week. Craig, why don't you give us the lead in here because I believe you've got a bit of history with this band. I very much have a kind of long-standing love for this group. Um, Wakefield's finest uh, leads trio, The Cribs, who've been kind of knocking around since the kind of um, new rock revolution or yeah. <laughs> in the early 2000s um, and have gone the distance. They've actually been on a kind of um, nostalgia tour earlier this year where they're celebrating the 10th anniversary of their biggest selling album. Um, they've already put out a best of three or four years ago now, but they're still going. They've got a new one and this is it. was Year of Hate from their Steve Albini produced new album 24-7 Rockstar Shit which is an excellent album title it's to also, begin with uh, right. they've, kind of, like, they've had t-shirts with that written on it for quite a while now haven't yeah they? it's kind of a thing and they're a very cultish band as well they are and also this you could argue that they're so cultish that you know you probably wouldn't know what they look like if they walked down the street which is something that a friend of mine took advantage of at a festival <laughs> many years ago when he told a girl in the crowd that he was a member of the Cribs in order to pull her did you do a really bad Wakefield accent while doing he, he had like a lanyard and she was like the most are you in, like a band or something since Michael Parkinson and he decided that he was in the cribs I feel like the twins are kind of the two front men are kind of distinctive but the drummer yes definitely you could get away he with did, just saying my friend did. also looks nothing like <laughs> like, 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 like the the cribs. Cribs. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time I mean like the drummer must look a bit like the twins could sing surprisingly it not brother. this is the thing you could, yeah you know they've got a distinctive look of their own well let's get away from their <laughs> genetics and DNA mm. and back to the DNA of this album hey. which I believe was recorded five years ago uh, bits of it were I think there's a couple of tracks that came from sessions five years ago and yeah. then there the rest, I think it was maybe four from the session five years ago, and then the remaining six were written in five days. But yeah. these these sessions, these Steve Albini-led sessions, had, had become yeah. kind of the stuff of legend for Cribs yeah. fans. Yeah, and I mean, like, I, I think they do for a lot of bands. I, you know, I've spoken to a bunch, including a lot of Irish artists, who've worked with Steve Albini, and 
you're very aware of the presence of the man and sort of what he's achieved and blah, blah, blah. And they've talked about how, you know, it, it publicly he seems like quite an abrasive character, um, much like his records. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he, he'll kind of just, you know, in interviews, he'll just slag off everyone left, right and centre, including most of the people he's worked with previously <laughs> and the records. Um, but by all accounts, the German brothers love to work with him and he's very witty and he's cool. And of course, they would love what he does because what he does is essentially make playing in a room sound as great as possible just that kind of feedback you know rock and roll thing mm. he does that the best and that's essentially what they are well can I ask you first just before we dive into this again just for the listener as well because I kind of feel like the Graves aren't the biggest band in the world yeah. like they're a bit of a cult band you might be like why why, why, why are we tackling this album and the answer is because there wasn't a lot to talk about this week but also because I felt like it actually was worth checking out because yeah. they kind of announced it three weeks ago and here it is and I thought okay well this would be interesting and I know Craig's a fan so Craig I guess I mean like if you're going to try to uh, sell someone on the Cribs, if they were like why this band like, like why have they stood the test of time and what is so good about them I think because apart from the kind of noisiness of what they do and the DIY aesthetic which I think a lot the cult has developed around them because they genuinely seem like they don't care they're not careerist at all a lot of their early songs at a time when people were just picking up guitars and like having cool haircuts and stuff was you know like songs like Hey Scenesters was taken as uh, we're not actually these hipsters we just like rock and roll but underneath it all is this kind of power pop sensibility like they're very good songwriters um, they're all about like literally everything they do has a kind of big whoa chorus they're always looking for those payoffs and those hooks and they just reel you in um so if you want an entry point i mean personally my favorite album of theirs is an album they did in 2009 with johnny marr which is amazing it's just like twin guitars for the first time i mean they're traditionally just a trio but there's some glorious guitar tracks on that and their compilation payola is a brilliant listen from start to finish so yeah they're they're a very talented bunch so where does this one stack up? But this initially was going to be an EP, I think, and they clearly were just having so much fun. They're like, we've got Steve Albini, we're going to you know, put the whole thing out. Um, I mean, not that it's terribly long. Anyway, it felt to me from initial listens that it could have just stayed an EP um, because they're not really reinventing the wheel. Their last record for All My Sisters was more of an expression of their pop side there was a bit more kind of sheen on the production um, Rick uh, Okazek from the Cars was on production there was that kind of Weezer power pop thing this is just like bare bones the cribs no kind of flourishes so if you haven't bought into what they do this probably isn't a great entry point having said that repeated listens have really been paying off for me and I'm very much enjoying it as a fan I've got to say that I really did not like this album. Now, I wouldn't be nearly as much a fan of Craig, though I did enjoy their sort of, what did you call it earlier, late OOs. He's going to catch on, the double zeros. You know, starting with like men's needs, women's needs, whatever, which, mm. as Craig mentioned, had its 10th anniversary yeah, earlier this biggie. year. Thing is, and as you mentioned, like, you know, that would be kind of like crammed with hooks and that's kind of, you know, what they structured things around. This is incredibly short of those and you know there's some whoa 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 choruses again but like i think it's in your palace yeah it, 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 the whoa, whoa whoa's on that chorus right sound like you know on a bad movie where someone goes undercover at a high school reunion and someone's like let's sing the school song and so they have to try to join in but they don't <laughs> actually know the way the song's going to go so they end up kind of going whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. that's what it sounds like like nobody's actually told him the order the notes well his in. vocals uh, he goes for oh, a well, lot of this kind of weird like hey hey guys I don't like autotune and as a matter of fact I don't even like warm it up yeah. and you're like and hang on a minute two of them kind of swap around and one's clearly better than the other I can never yeah. tell well, <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it meant to be like a meta thing of like because obviously with Steve Albini it's like let's just go to a fucking room and crank up the distortion and let's not treat it in any way Let, yeah. let's just rock out well yeah. that, that's Steve Albini's thing isn't yeah. it the, the, this the, the, problem, like, the problem is sounds like a that, jam sounds like a practice room jam yeah and the thing is that like when you have somebody like Steve Albini, Steve Albini who you know doesn't even call himself a producer he's, a, he's an engineer um, not a sonic architect yeah, no 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 <laughs> but like he, he, he will not take your credit as a producer he just you know I just record what they do basically yeah. it, it is going to you know and no pun intended it's simply just going to amplify what's there yeah. so that if you've got hooks they can sound great if you've got no hooks and it's just kind of noisy angsty fuzzy stuff then that's all that's going to come across as well because he's not going to save you yeah I mean, yeah, so it's probably not the best collection of songs they've had for that treatment. Yeah. I mean, but you know, previous records, they would have had songs where, I mean, they would have st- stood up just if you, you know, you did them, like a really terrible recording of it, whereas 
they opted for kind of a bit of you know a bit of sheen a bit of dynamics whereas this is yeah this is kind of warts and all and you see and I mean like the thing is that like you know frayed edges are fine like I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of a record that can kind of embrace its imperfections but mm. the whole idea of ha- leaving rough edges is surely that there's something solid that does the job in the middle yeah. Like that would be the whole point of the edges, right? Whereas sure. this just sounds like a sort of a sprawling mass. Well, this is the thing. I mean, like, if you want to kind of go directly to the edges, let's look at the opening track, which is called Give Good Time. Now, when I first heard this track, I found myself kind of thinking, like, of a few different things. I was thinking of, wow, this sounds like from a bygone era. This sounds yeah. like rock records from the turn of the century. Uh, most recently on the Revisit a podcast that we do. Uh, talking about Future Kings of Spain. Right. Like, the first track in that record, A Place for Everything. And that kind of just reckless abandon, everything's like, you know, everyone's at 100, and it's just about making as much noise as you possibly can and getting yourself out there that way. And I found it to be very kind of cool. I was like, yeah, like, this is what I'm all about. And then it led me to think about, for example, we recently reviewed the Fan Club record on on this podcast. And our kind of takeaway from that record was good album mm. but a bit derivative and doesn't really have a lot going on underneath the surface and definitely a good first try then again the limitations of what they're doing shows of course that album somehow inexplicably got five stars in the <laughs> Irish Times because I guess it's a perfect album but okay it is the paper of record honey. but like essentially you know I found myself when I was given this album its first spins I was like ah yeah this is how it's done lads this is how it's done lads but the more I listened to it I thought you know, it's. I mean, like they're the the cribs are totally trapped by those same limitations as well, and like you can only go so far. I agree with the comment there that maybe it would have been better as an EP. I feel like they don't care. This they're is, like this is a rock album. We made a rock album. You know what? Here's a huge thing yeah. with the cribs, and like you alluded to it earlier, Craig. Like like they genuinely don't care. Like their whole aesthetic is that sort of steering, cynical thing. He even mentions it in in one of the songs. Yeah. Um, I think it might be What Have You Done For Me where he's talking about like you know being made a cynic when he was younger and he's still that cynic and blah 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 and like they really embrace it if you've ever seen them interviewed they remind you of just like surly teenagers mumbling into their sleeves you know <laughs> yeah. um, but the thing is that like perhaps it's when the quality drops a little bit you start to think like you should care more about this <laughs> as such you know it almost sounds like neglectful rather than nonchalant well, I, yeah, I mean, I agree to an extent. I don't think it, it like there's a point here where you're like, well, this is a bad song, but it feels occasionally redundant. And I'm reminded of, you know, certain stretches are like, okay, yeah, I remember this from a previous record when they did it with a bit more form and a bit more polish and it was better. Um, but having said that, the kind of rough thing worked for me in the sense that Perhaps unlike Dave, the more I listened to it, the more that kind of guitar thing that Albini was getting out of Ryan Jarman was just... I was finding kind of edges and things that were interesting on second listen and added kind of hooks and things like that. Whereas my initial run-throughs were like, okay, a bit a bit bland. But actually, the more and more I, I kind of listen to it, the more and more I'm, I'm kind of... I want to return to it. So it's having that opposite effect on me. Um that said, it's it's nowhere near the top of their catalogue. It's not a good entry point for them, um, especially not for Juggalos. <laughs> but yeah, I still love the Cribs. And I love the fact that they had a museum installation in the town of Wakefield this year. Yeah. <laughs> it's just brilliant as well. <laughs> so they're revered in Wakefield, at least. <laughs> yeah, well, there's them and Rugby League, basically. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, the way I would look at this record is, it's not a shot in the arm for the rock genre. And if you want to kind of run with that and be like, well, you know, it's a pity because we want more kind of quality control etc fine but at the same time it is in itself a shot in the arm and i think in these 36 minutes you'll find stuff if you're looking for that kind of thing that kind of just pure release you know like i like that raw abandon that's yeah, like, in here year of hate dendrophobia i mean there's some like when they do the throwaway thing really well you're like oh they just toss off this effortless great stuff but i'll be honest i think year of hate is the only track on this that i can really stand over really i think give basically. good time is a great opener i think broken hour is a great I mean, I closer give yeah, good time Partisans is great. mediocre libertines it, it would be i no it would way. be a low really? album track there. Like, I mean, yeah. I think like there's some kind of squalling guitar stuff that is. And what have you done kind of for me? Is thing. like a step down from that again. Like that's very by numbers for me. And, yeah. and and when they slow on tracks like "Is It Sticks Not Twigs," um, I think just like the weakness 
really becomes apparent. Of the vocals. You also have yeah. the ballad. Well, it's, it's everything, really. It's, it's just like, it's, it's a bit like, you know, when you're riding a bike and you start to slow down and just see the wobbles a little bit more. And it was like, okay, maybe that's why you were going so fast for the rest of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the fundamentals are strong, but they're just kind of like, they don't really, as we've said, care that much. Yeah, I just, it's <laughs> like, a fundamentals record. Yeah. Yeah, but like, you wonder if they came in with, like, even the bare fundamentals of a song here. Or if they just started wailing on instruments. They did say that, like, that it would find some sort of form. They said mm. it was the most fun they've had in a studio. The kind Which of, it's the never one. a line you want to hear. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was the most efficient process. They were in and out of there in five days. Yeah. And that reminded me of recording my band's first ever EP in Dundalk in 2009. And yeah. being like, you know, figuring it out. But like the Cribs are going for 15 years. Well, do you know what? Maybe it's what they needed as a band in terms of, you know, they're doing that very nostalgic tour. They're, you know, literally a museum piece. I think the drummer was in yeah. the museum drumming away. Just maybe the, they just the needed to blow off the yeah, I think cobwebs. Yeah. I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I think it exists to basically let fans allay fears that they're done and to be like, no, no, no. Like this year is a celebratory year for the band, but also here's a few songs mm. and then we'll see you on yeah, the road Yeah, I think that's the way it operates. And maybe a couple of songs that can be added to, you know, the best. It's a curio. I yeah. mean, like, like, like you don't get a lot of records like this and I kind of feel like for a band that, that you know doesn't play it safe it's an oddly safe move yeah because their fans would be like grand cool glad to have it yeah do you want to give it a number five and a half out of ten yeah I'm going four and a half yeah as a fan like a strong six seven maybe because I'll keep listening to it and I, I like a lot of stuff on it fair enough unlikely to make our end of the year rundown mm. which we will be doing uh-huh. in a few months time <laughs> so when the end of the year when it's the end of the year yes. <laughs> what a tease something that may not make my end of the year rundown either but certainly impressed me more this week was um, the debut album Rat Boy oh. um, it's called Scum and all the uh, all the tracks uh, all the tracks the opposite of LCD sound system which you moaned about earlier all the tracks are in Moan. block capitals oh good good man so when you've got an entire li- track listing of block capitals on an album called Scum Kendrick by an artist it. called Rat Boy it's about the most appealing listen since Bantam sat in the pub and started naming anal cunt songs and Doyle's a few weeks ago <laughs> however this is very good. And I'd read somewhere that it was like horribly bloated and way too long, but he's been a clever little rat boy. Um, that's all the deluxe edition. The regular edition... Is this an actual album? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it really is. The, 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 the regular edition has all the in, um, interludes removed, bunch of tracks removed, so it's 13 tracks. Moves at a real clip. The kind of new Jamie T comparisons will be everywhere and probably, oh, goody. probably <laughs> not stick with the grips, probably not <laughs> completely unreasonably, but no, but like the emphasis would be put on new here because it sounds fresh and it's interesting, it's quite funny, it's far from perfect, but it's good. It's very good, worth a listen. Uh just to Whole bantam out from underneath that bus that you threw him under there for a second there. You know. Someone else brought it up. Uh, what I will say is that Bantam that evening came up with a great name for a metal band purely by accident. He was talking about I think one of his friends and he said the phrase branch into butchery. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> now that is a fucking band that you would expect to see opening for Converge or something. Yeah. Very also nice also sorry, now that you mention it, I'm just wondering, did he get the idea of the block capitals from Kendrick? Because of course he was the one who took the kind of chipmunked version of his track for Lost. Or record. did he get it from No Encore, which stylized itself in block capitals? Probably. Probably. I got that from somewhere else, and I'm never saying where. But what <laughs> I will say... Using capitals. Tell us off mic. What the I will, concept of capital letters. <laughs> what I will say is that this week I've been listening to a couple of brand new records, Yay! which aren't out until next month. Uh, yeah. I've listened to the new Hercules and like Love time Affair. Time traveler day. Hercules and Love Affair have a new album coming out. Mm. Uh, it's called Ominion, and it has a rake of guests. Some sure. of whom do double duty. You've got Faris Badwan in there. You've got Sharon Von Etten in there. And I must say, threw it on. It's a headphones record, for sure. Okay. Mark the love of your bingo sheets if you're still playing no encore bingo. We really should get some new bingo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like most Hercules Love Affair efforts, it starts off very strong and you're like, oh, I could get into this. And then by the end of it, you're kind of like, yeah, I'm bored now. But <laughs> at the same time, you know, only a few listens. Very enjoyable what I've heard, but it is that kind of bleep bloop rhythmic thing and... 11 tracks of it can be a little bit much. I've also been listening to the new album from The Bronx, uh, Punk Heroes The Bronx. They've been around for quite some time. Uh-huh. It's their fifth record, all of which are self-titled. That's helpful, lads. Uh, one album that came out in 2006, which has a song on it called History's Stranglers. If you've never heard History Stranglers by The Bronx, go to whatever listening device that you favour. Gramophone. That'll be two minutes and about 45 seconds that you will very much enjoy. They're a good band when they're on, and on the strength of one listen on this record, they're on. But, you know, more on that in the future. 
What you got first, Craig? I've been listening to... Well, Ariel Pink continues to drop uh, songs from his September album dedicated to Bobby Jameson. Uh, Feels Like Heaven's the latest one, and it's him doing that uh, 80s pop thing with a, you know, Roy Smile, where he's kind of saying, and here's the bit where, you know, you should get all emotional, but he's so good that you get all emotional. Uh, it's a very good song. Did you and, have a moment, did you? Yeah, I had a bit of a moment. Um... Yeah, like I've I've really liked what I've heard from this record so far, so it's one I'm very much excited about. And also, I've been listening to Guided by Voices have a new album out, um, which isn't that strange thing as they already released a double album earlier this year, which was a bit bloated. You'd be surprised there. <laughs> <laughs> but this is um, streamlined, kind of thirty five minutes. It's how do you spell heaven? And it's it's very very good. There's a lot of kind of classic Bob Pollard songs. He remains one of the best songwriters in the world. So yeah, check that out. GBB. That's, a, that's a huge claim. A reminder, listener, that we will be doing a live podcast in Whelan's yeah. on September the 28th with Overhead, The Albatross, Dahi and Elaine May. Come to the show, have a pint with us afterwards. Do. Tickets are €12 Euro on sale from Ticketmaster.ie right now. Fantastic. And as always, I like to close the show with some new Irish sounds. This was sent to me out of the blue during the week, which was good because I hadn't done my usual troll, and I quite liked it, which meant that it was extra good because I'm going to play it on the show. Uh, I'm not going to say much about this one, apart from the fact that the whole thing was done in two takes. So, you know, take that, the cribs. Yeah. Although this sounds nothing like the cribs. <laughs> Just going to rock straight into it. This is Moving Still, featuring Zona and Ian McFarlane, who I believe plies his trade in Kid Karate and Squarehead and mm-hmm. many other bands because he's a very prolific young man. This song is called Green Light, and I assure you, listener, it's better than the Lord song of the same name. My name is Dave Hanrady. This has been No Encore. There will be no encore, and we'll be back with you next week. Searching for that beauty of invisible summer Going through the motions and wondering where it begins Proceeding mm. expectations, why am I still fighting? Who's gonna fix this misguided, chatted little boy?
HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details. Guten Abend, mein Name ist David Hanrotti und Viro Oko. Peacock fuels your true crime obsession with exclusive new originals like John Wayne Gacy, Devil in Disguise. He said to me, clowns can get away with murder. Dr. Death. The Undoctored Story. This guy's dangerous. And Epstein's shadow, Ghislaine Maxwell. She inherited Jeffrey Epstein's secrets. There was this whole other world going on. Plus the most bingeable crime series, Buried in the Backyard and Snapped. And with the Dateline 24-7 channel that's always on. Did you want her dead? You can't not obsess. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.